Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. Many parents aren't prepared for the challenges of raising a family. There is a strength and power unique to mothers, but all moms need support too. And dads, you matter. Giving your child the best starts before a baby is born. Let's grow up together. I'm Jen. And I'm Heidi. YPN, formerly the Young Parents Network, offers families hope. Today we have Crystal Hall, Director of Programs from YPN with us. Thanks for joining us today, Crystal. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at YPN? Thank you for having me, ladies. I am the Director of Programs for YPN, and I've been with the organization for 15 years. Um, I am a proud staff person to be able to provide families with the support and guidance they need so that they're able to achieve their personal best and become the best moms and dads that they can possibly be. Can you tell us, Crystal, what YPN is? Yes, YPN is a local grassroots organization. I often will joke with people that you'll probably never see a commercial for YPN during the Super Bowl, but we're (laughs) proud of that. Um, YPN was formed over 30 years ago, and actually we started as a department of Mercy Hospital in response to a community need uh, to the growing number of young parents in the community. In our first year of service, we served uh, four to six families, and we thought we were doing great work. Uh, Last year, we served roughly 650 moms, dads, and kids through our core programming, and then additional moms, dads, and and children through supportive programming. YPN is a support-focused organization supporting community young people and healthy, healthy families, trying to get them off to the best start possible, correct? That is exactly what we do. Our core program is called Building Bright Futures, and this is where we work with moms and dads who are between the ages of 13 to 27 and who are pregnant or parenting children under the age of five. We provide a weekly meeting that's held on Thursday nights at the Polk Alternative Education Center. We provide transportation for anybody who's in need. We have an on-site meal, and then we have on-site childcare, where the children are engaged in age-appropriate developmental activities while moms and dads are in their classrooms. Moms and dads are divided into their classrooms based on the stage of their pregnancy or the age of their child. Currently, we have programs for expecting childbirth and newborn groups under our prenatal umbrella. And on the parenting side of things, we have infant moms, toddler moms, preschool moms, a group completely for dads, and a group done entirely in Spanish for our Spanish language participants. Cool. That is a variety of um, demographics that you're serving for ages. That's wonderful to hear. Can you tell us a little bit more about the moms group? Sure. So within our moms group, and I should mention that all of our programs are voluntary. Our average weekly attendance is anywhere from 80 to 100 moms, dads, and kids, and they're coming because they want to be good moms and dads. Within our moms group, we focus on 
age-appropriate child development topics that they would be encountering at that point in their child's life. But then we also explore, explore personal or parent development topics too. So for example, if you were a toddler mom, we would have a lesson on toilet training, the importance of preschool, of course, literacy, but we would also discuss topics like how to appropriately fill out a job application or where to access mental health resources. Um, we consistently discuss topics that are connected to budgeting, and then we also try to incorporate some family fun then too. Um, one thing that we tend to do in the winter time is we'd like to have either a yoga or a Zumba class because while age is a requirement to be a YPN mom or dad, there are none, no other requirements. However, many of our participants are lower income and wouldn't be able to access those types of engaging activities like a yoga class or a Zumba class. So we try to make that as possible as, as we can for them. And again, you'd mentioned the age requirements. So the parents had to be under the age of 27 and the, their kiddos were five or under. Mm -hmm. okay. For our core programming, we do okay. have supportive programming where those age uh, limits are expanded. And I'll be happy to talk about those a little bit later in the program. Okay. And so dads matter too. They're an important part of the family. And, and um, what support do you offer for expecting and, and new dads? So interestingly enough, uh, when I first started with the organization over 15 years ago, if you were to do a percentage breakdown of our moms versus our dads, it would really look like about 90% moms, 10% dads. Now that percentage is actually closer to about 60-40. Hmm. Uh, we have a great number of dads who are coming. Some of them are connected to a mother who is also enrolled in programming, but we do serve single fathers, and then we also serve um, dads who are looking for ways to just be the best dad that they can be as well. Um, those young men can come with their pregnant or parenting uh, partner uh, on the prenatal side of things, and they stay in that class with the mother of their baby to learn about everything that she's learning about to have a healthy pregnancy, healthy delivery, and healthy baby. But we do like to pull those dads out occasionally. It usually equates to about once a month to talk about a prenatal topic specifically for them because quite honestly, they're just scared to death. <laughs> yeah, sure. So this is a way that we can kind of help to ease some of those fears. Now on the parenting side of things, um, our dad's group also focuses on child development topics, but then we also explore some of those things that are maybe a little bit more part of that dad's world. Um, being a good role model, kind of coming up against things like what society says you need to do to be a good dad versus what reality comes into play. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one thing that you would find specifically with our dads is they really have built some very strong connections and relationships with each other. I was gonna ask that. So there's a lot of mentoring that happens in those groups uh, and a lot of accountability. So we had a situation where a dad was in the classroom and he was very frustrated because he and the mother of his child are just not seeing eye to eye. And uh, one of the other dads made a comment of, okay, you have 10 minutes to complain and then we need to move on because, you know, we, we need to get this figured out. Um, this is also the place where I've seen tremendous amounts of growth with our dads. Um, our dad's facilitator always says that 
to a child, their dad is the coolest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. And it is it is the dad's responsibility to live up to that expectation. So lots of very positive role modeling that happens in that group. How cool. That's pretty cool. As I was looking at your website, um, I saw the group Understanding Dad mm-hmm. for Moms. Yeah, so Understanding Dad is actually a curricula we use for moms that ask those moms to think about the way that they're parenting their child, regardless of whether or not they're still in a relationship with the father of that baby. It explores topics like co-parenting, communication. Uh, It even talks about different styles of play, you know. Um, Something that makes moms a little bit nervous sometimes is that dads, at least there's a perception that dads play a little bit rough with their children, you know. (laughs) So why is that important that he plays with the children? And then what's appropriate and what's not? So... We've had some uh, really good response to this curriculum. Uh, And one mom, I think, said, well, this explains why he does what he does. (laughs) And I think it just kind of helps them to be uh, more supportive in the whole relationship than for their child then, too. So how do you target specific populations? So generally speaking, our number one referral source for our prenatal clients are the OBGYN doctors in town. Um, But on the parenting side of things, our number one referral source is actually word of mouth. It's a very common occurrence that an existing participant would call us and say they have a new neighbor or there's somebody in their apartment complex. He or she has a three-year-old child and could they bring them to group? We do ask that they do register with us before attending group because we do have an intake process. Two other groups, though, that we specifically work with are our Spanish-speaking families and then also the African refugee population, which uh, at this point in time are primarily French or Swahili speakers. Uh, YPN is very fortunate that we have two staff members who are fluent in Spanish and both French and Swahili, as well as a little bit of um, additional dialect. When we work with these families, the goal is to help them preserve their culture, but also to help them acclimate to prenatal and parenting styles that are happening here in the United States. Um, We have an internal saying that having a baby in Guatemala is very different from having a baby here in the United States or specifically Iowa. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to have as much support as possible for those moms and dads in those situations. Uh, And then, of course, you know, on the parenting side of things, we'd like to be able to provide them with some guidance on how to, again, honor culture, but be a parent in the United States society. Um, Our Spanish-speaking parents are able to come to our Thursday night Building Bright Futures programming. Um, Our African families are currently being served through two different programs. Uh, One is through a a curricula offering called a Parent Cafe, which focuses on protective factors and supporting families. And then the other is through a home visitation program in which we use the Parents as Teachers curriculum. What would you say, um, can you give a couple of examples of um, areas of friction that are most common with Mm -hmm. those? What, not parents. 
So um, one thing that we have taken note of, in particular in working with the African families, is um, perceptions of safety and perceptions of older child or older sibling responsibilities. So many times uh, these families would leave a younger child in the care of a nine or 10 year old child. Uh, but our society says that that's not the best situation to be in. So we do a lot of coaching and mentoring around that, but we have to pair it against the fact that this is the safest many of these families have been mm -hmm. in their existence based on what they've experienced either in refugee camps or coming to the United States with immediate support, but then that support often drops off. Um, a lot of the resettlement programs, there's roughly a three-month window in which support can be provided to those families, and after that, it's kind of a every man for themselves type of a situation. So we, we need to be able to, again, honor culture and tradition, but then explain to them why certain things are maybe not as um, appropriate here in the United States. Interesting. YPN partners with other organizations and school systems to administer programming and share resources to serve families. Can you speak to some of those programs? Sure. So YPN partners with a minimum of 30 different organizations every year that specifically support our Building Bright Futures offering on Thursday nights. Um, we are not mental health experts. We are not medical experts. So we rely heavily on people in the community to be able to come in and provide those services to our parents. Um, one example of this partnership is with Tanager Place. Tanager Place provides adolescent mental health services. Um, so we have had Tanager come in and do guest speaking spots on how to access those services. If they have concerns about a child's behavioral uh, issues or temperament, they can come in and ask questions to those Tanager staff who have that area of expertise, and then we can make appropriate referrals from there. Um, another example that we've, uh, another organization that we've partnered with would be Horizons. Horizons is an organization that's located in Cedar Rapids that does many things, but one way that we've partnered with them most recently is to have them come in and talk about their financial classes that parents can take. Um, again, we may teach a lesson on budgeting or we may have even a for-profit institution like a, a bank or a credit union come in and talk about savings accounts or guarding your personal identity or something like that. But Horizons has an entire curriculum that we can make a referral to and then our families can access those resources. Um, when we do make those referrals to those outside supports, oftentimes we'll incorporate those in our incentive program as well. One thing that we really haven't talked about yet is the We Care Shop. So the We Care Shop, uh, just a little bit of history, was actually founded by a group of church women over 25 years ago. Uh, and it started in a closet of the church. Uh, it had a few diapers and a few wipes and well, maybe some clothing in there. Uh, and now it's expanded to in an entire retail space. The, the thing that makes YPN a little bit unique in the community 
is that we are the only voluntary long-term program. There are other parenting programs out there, but perhaps they meet for four weeks or six weeks or something to that effect. We're long-term. <clears throat> and then we also provide the incentives. So when families enroll, they receive points for healthy behaviors, and then they can bring those points to the We Care Shop and exchange them for the things they need for their babies and kids. In the We Care Shop, you'll find things like diapers and wipes. You'll also find children's clothing, personal hygiene products, books, toys, baby equipment, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, our We Care Shop is actually supported by community donations. Uh, and we, as we are a nonprofit, we're able to provide donors to the shop uh, a tax deduction if that's interesting to them. Last year, we had uh, roughly $65,000 worth of donated items come into the We Care Shop. And then those, of course, get distributed to those families in need. The other component that dovetails with the We Care Shop is the Eastern Iowa Diaper Bank, which is our partnership with the Eastern Iowa Health Center. So in the same way that we incentivize healthy behaviors, which include everything from coming to group, <clears throat> to well child exams, to uh, story time. We incentivize story time at the library. <laughs> um, the Eastern Iowa Health Center also incentivizes their patients. So if you uh, have a diabetes check, if you go to the doctor for your postpartum visit, you'll receive points. And then again, you can bring those points to the diaper bank, which is located inside the We Care Shop, and access those diapers and wipes that you need for your families. This is such an important part of our community because we know that low-income families in particular spend about 14% of their total monthly budget on diapers. So if we can help offset that part of their budget so that now instead of making a choice between mm -hmm. leaving their child in a diaper too long, mm -hmm. which could result in medical issues, and paying the electric bill, perhaps that's an easier choice for them now. So um, the diaper bank has actually been in existence for a couple of years. And so three years ago, we actually thought we were doing great work because in one year we passed out 27,000 diapers. Oh my. And we thought we were amazing. <laughs> wow. Uh, two months ago, we passed out 13,000 diapers in one month. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's clearly grown by leaps and bounds. And the number of accesses to the We Care Shop has grown tremendously, not only from YPN participants, but then again, those who are accessing that diaper bank. Mm -hmm. So if a family wanted to access these services, how would they, you mentioned like a, a process, but how would they um, get in touch with you or? Sure. So if a family would like to self-refer, they can always visit our website, which we actually have a form that you can click on and it will generate an email that's sent to the organization. We have uh, an internal policy of responding to all email inquiries within uh, three days of arrival. So they could expect that a person would contact them in that short amount of time. Um, the other way to it, learn more about YPN would be to call our offices. And that phone number is 319-364-8909.
So we've talked a lot today about our core programming, which again is that Building Bright Futures program. But if there's a 29-year-old parent out there, or if there's a, a parent who has school-age children, but also some younger children, we may have alternative programming that would be available to them too. So we would just encourage anybody who's interested to call the organization and we could talk about what services we could provide. And again, that phone number is 319-364-8909. And your website is ypniowa.org. It is. Okay. Great. And you do an annual fundraising event called Broadway Maybes. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Sure. So Broadway Maybes uh, is also been in existence for well over 20 years. This is um, an event that generates a lot of income for YPN, and it's something that we're very proud of in the community. It occurs every spring, uh, and the dates, the dates vary, but typically April is the month that the uh, event is provided. Um, the event itself is a talent or variety <laughs> show of sorts uh, in which uh, corporate sponsors have acts come in, uh, and the acts have ranged everything from singing and dancing to magicians to kids' choirs and, and so on and so mm. forth. It's a fun night. There's always a raffle program that's involved for a chance to win some really nice, fabulous prizes to help uh, support your local community businesses. And um, I think you would just simply find that it's a, it's a really enjoyable evening. Um, I see commercials for it every year, and yes. <laughs> it looks like there's some really great acts. Yes. <laughs> Tying in um, with the work that your organization does for new and expecting families, libraries um, offer story times. For a lot of them offer the, the baby story time, focusing on that birth to 24 month range. They also offer regular story timing and preschool story times, as well as programs and, and activities and events. Uh, libraries are, are free services people can access. Our library uh, also offers our story time programming with our reads program. So that targets specifically the expecting family to develop that reading routine ahead of baby's arrival. So uh, people can reach out to their local libraries for support as well. The, we have um, board books. Libraries have those uh, for our youngest readers. And in our adult collections, we have um, books for, for families, for pregnancy, parenthood, um, a variety of topics for them as well. So that's another resource for for new expecting families, um, families with kiddos at, in any age range as well. Well, um, do you have any additional points or topics you'd like to cover? I think I would generally say that literacy is a huge part of YPN's makeup. Um, we recognize that when you have a foundation of good literacy and good pre-literacy and reading skills, that really good things can happen. Um, so we talk at great length with our participants about the importance of reading. Um, books are always free in our We Care shop. There is no limit to the number of books that they can take out of the We Care shop. Um, we incorporate literacy into large-scale events. Uh, we recently had our Books and Babies event in which every family left with a minimum of two brand new books that had been donated mm -hmm. from the community. Um, 
And this is kind of an important thing to consider too, because many of our families are not what you would maybe think of as classic readers. Perhaps they had a learning disability, perhaps school wasn't the most positive environment for them, but we really talk about making a difference for their children and how they can do that. And literacy is one of the best ways because mm-hmm. it doesn't cost you anything to get a library card. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way that they can really make that connection with their child. One of my favorite stories is a YPN dad who, upon hearing about the importance of literacy, uh, took it upon himself. He, he was not a strong reader. He did have learning disabilities, but he took it upon himself to go get a library card. He checked out audiobooks, children's audiobooks, um, listened to them until he had them memorized, oh. and then he would read to his child from memory versus from print it's a wonderful story so so that little boy is now a thriving nine-year-old he's a Mm. third grader and his reading scores are actually very good so that's terrific and as you mentioned it's when families are trying to decide with you know everyone has limited funds and income and are they going to be purchasing diapers with that paying for food or or utilities um board you know books materials cost money too so reaching out to the local libraries or you know attending your your programs and events to get those free books is wonderful yes before we end, would you mind sharing your favorite storytime memory or your favorite book from childhood or one that you've enjoyed reading to your own children or children that you care about? So I might be in a little bit different position than some of your other guests because I actually also work part-time at a library in my hometown, uh, which is in Victor. Okay. So I spent a lot of time <laughs> reading children's books. And it's hard for me to pinpoint just one, but I would say um, my two favorite, more recent children's books include The Night Gardener by the Fan Brothers. And the reason I love this story is because it's really about community engagement and how do you take a very simple first step and use it to improve the community on a much, much larger scale. And of course, the illustrations are beautiful. Yes. And then my other favorite book uh, as of late is called Don't Lick This Book. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not remembering the author at the moment, but this was the best first step at microbiology for young people that I've ever seen in my life. So anytime you can explore concepts like microbes Mm -hmm. and streptococcus and things like that in a friendly, entertaining way, way, it's a wonderful thing. They can actually spread the streptococcus. That's cool. cool. I'm not sure if we have those titles in our collection, but after the podcast, we will take a look and and make sure we do uh, get those for our community. So, um, and just in summary today, um, we have been visiting with Crystal from YPN. We've learned about all the wonderful services that the YPN organization offers for their community to support um, families in, in many stages of life. And uh, if you need to access those services or know someone who might benefit from them, if you would like to volunteer or donate as well, you can uh, refer back to their website for all of this information at ypniowa.org 
And we want to thank you so much, Crystal, for taking some time to talk with us today. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me.